What do you get when you put Jack Ryan from The Hunt for Red October, Nash from The Hitcher, and Earl Best from Tremors in the same film with a healthy dose of old-school crime noir and a Harry Krishna disciple? You get George Armitage's fifth film, Miami Blues, ripped from the pages of the Hoke Mosley novels by Charles Wilford and shaped into a genre-defying screenplay by Armitage himself. We find ourselves alongside Fred Fringer Jr., played by Og Baldwin in what may be my favorite role he's been in as he arrives in Miami and starts to steal other people's luggage, wallets, and identity in order to move within the traditional spaces of civility. The problem is that Freddy is a sociopath who leaves a path of destruction, violence, and general discontent for those who cross his path. Enter Susie, a young, overly optimistic prostitute who gets caught up in Freddy's web of lies and crime. On their trail is the uncouth Enneagram 9 Wing 6 Detective Mosley and his dentures, which he loves to take out in front of people. These three characters head towards a final confrontation in the heat of the Miami sun. Armitage spends most of his time on Freddy and Susie because within society they are the outcasts, and as we have talked about in the past, Armitage loves his outsiders. A naive prostitute and a manic sociopath fit the bill to a T. Joe, however, has some things to say about this film, and so we will let him spew his lies, and you, our dear listener, will hear it and be wise. Go check the film out for yourself, love it to death, and we will all know when it is comes to Miami Blues who had the correct opinion of the film. Worst comes to worst, Joe and I have an old-fashioned standoff on this film, and only one host will remain. Until next week. So join us in the Miami heat as we move through spaces not made for us, attempt to not lose our ever-loving minds, and maybe find some semblance of love in the process. This week, on So Gross, Such Point, Much more. Welcome, everybody, to So Gross, Such Point, Much Blank, the only gross point blank podcast. Uh, once again, still haven't checked up on that claim. I'm pretty sure it's it's accurate, but maybe next time. I'm one of your hosts, Blake Collier, and with me, the brightest star in the pageant, Joe George. Today, we are breaking out of prison, heading to Miami, and making a new start with a prostitute. What are our chances of staying out of trouble, Joe? With an intro like that, where you call me out immediately? <laughs> oh, they're, they're slim. We're getting into it right away. I'm not going to say this movie is bad, but bad. <laughs> it's it's definitely disappointing, and I definitely like it yeah, less than you. Yeah, yeah. So, so a little background on the podcast is we've already recorded this episode, um, <laughs> and we went through the whole argument, and I realized I had not recorded uh, this this whole argument. So we already know where we're going. So this should be even more fun because we're going to be meta on ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm still angry. This is all still. This, <laughs> You're is, all so still, angry. <laughs> this is all still real ire at. And, yeah. and, and so I had hoped to to watch the movie again between then and now. It's, it's been a week um, since yeah. uh, the first time we recorded it. I didn't get a chance to. You didn't get a chance to. So 
I feel like we still got our same positions. D- yeah. Did you mull over my position at all? Because I didn't mull over yours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I mulled on it. Okay. Uh, but then I spit it out. <laughs> okay, good. All right, good. All right. Uh, all right, no, so, so let's, I... let's start with the, this. Uh, Alec Baldwin's performance. Because you said okay. it might be his best performance. We both know yeah. his best performance is Lamont Cranston, a.k.a. The Shadow, in the movie The Shadow. <laughs> because he's amazing in that, and I'm only half joking with that. Tell me what is good about Baldwin's performance. Because like I said... He acts more like Stephen Baldwin than Alec Baldwin in this movie. Oh, he is a mugging. He is he is self aware. He oh, it's terrible. What what's good? So what two, am I missing? So two things first. Yes, I remember liking The Shadow when I saw it, good. but it's been twenty years <laughs> since I saw it. So it's awesome. Uh, second, what's wrong with Stephen Baldwin? I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> New podcast. We're now on the Stephen Baldwin cast. We're going to watch terrible Christian movies, and we're going to talk oh, about gosh. And also the wait, usual suspects. You, wait, you didn't like the uh, God's Not Dead movies? Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I agree. I, I agree that the Alec Baldwin is mugging yeah. in this film. Um, there's no doubt. Like, he's playing it very, very self-aware. Okay. Um, but I think what works for me is the fact that this like this is supposed to be a hyper like real film like i don't think this is meant to be something that is on the nose serious or on the nose accurate as far as human characters go and so him mugging and him being super aware of himself works uh, at least on a on a uh, hyper realistic kind of script element um, I think for me, watching him mug and and self be self aware works because um, the character is written, and I, of course I haven't read the Wilford novel, so he mm. may be a lot more well drawn and accurate, more realistic. But I feel like within the scope of the story being told, he almost has to be a little bit over the top. And I think Al, mm. Alec Baldwin does a good job with over the top when he's self-aware. Mm-hmm. Um, he's done it before. Like he actually, I would say a good portion of his career was being self-aware, being himself mm. and being mm-hmm. over the top. So I think playing a manic sociopath requires at least at this time, which is the not early nineties, mm-hmm. we don't have realistic depictions of mental health. Mm-hmm. It's just not a thing that we're concerned about. And so to get the point across that he's crazy, like he's crazy. He has to be, he has to be a little bit, he has to, he has to like be a little bit hyper, hyper real in in that space. And so, because we don't have the, the multitude of depictions that we have now. Okay. um, Now reading it now. Yes. It's, it's problematic for sure. Um, But I think it works within the scope of the story being told. So, okay. Explain to me how it's working within the story. Like, what's the effect yeah. of his mugging? Um, so, so I would say that that in in some ways, Fred Ward, while he's a not quite as comedic of an actor, although he plays comedic roles quite often, mm-hmm. he and Alec Baldwin are both over the top. Mm-hmm. I think we are we are seeing a film in which Armitage is getting at the point that the only innocent person and is jennifer jason lee 
sure uh in this film and so she's going to be a lot more kind of not normal but mm-hmm. a little bit more down to earth a little bit more grounded in her mm-hmm. characterization and she's caught in between these two insane like over the top characters okay and so i think it works on that level in the sense that we're we're magnifying her cuz she's actually the main character i think I agree uh, within that. the film and so um because at least in my mind the, the film is more about the spaces of being optimistic or being positive or being a or being good mm-hmm. in spaces where the world is out of control is over the top is mm-hmm. is evil or bent on revenge or whatever it may be mm-hmm. just being normal and good and positive in those spaces I think that's 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 a reading. I don't know if it's the strongest reading, but that's kind of the reading that that hooked me with the okay. scope. And and the simple fact that I really like the whole idea of uh uh Alec Baldwin's character basically committing crimes in order to fit in. Right. Quote. So, I I I think that's fascinating. That's just a fascinating. But it's been done I, I would and I will give you this. It's been done better. Yeah, films. So, I, I I can truck with that reading. Um, and I agree that Lee is the the main character, and and I think she's the best part of the movie. I mean, she's generally the best yeah. part of any movie she's in. Um, yeah. Though I did just see a movie, a recent movie, in which she is a non-entity, which is the the biggest mark against the director that you could buy. Like, how are you wasting yeah. Jennifer Jason Lee? Yeah, no uh, doubt. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, yeah, I agree that she's the um, she's the main character. But here's the thing that keeps throwing me this this movie's supposed to be a comedy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, of sorts. Well, okay, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, a black comedy, sure, but mm-hmm. a comedy nonetheless. And I, she still reads to me as the butt of jokes. Like I, okay. I, I agree that you're yeah. that she's. Um, stuck between these two men and these two men are awful. And I guess one place that I've gone to appreciate uh, the movie a little bit more in between our conversations is how gross <laughs> the movie looks intentionally gross and yeah. unsettling mm-hmm. in, in various ways. And we'll talk about that in a minute here. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But so she is caught between those two awful men, but um, it's, I, I don't know that the movie, I don't agree that the movie uh endorses her optimism um she still kind of comes off as naive and 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 again for for me the the key scene is her first scene with alec baldwin where he 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 brings out this this dress and she's thinking Mm -hmm. oh i found you know it's a pretty woman situation right uh yeah it's the prince charming exactly he's gonna come (laughs) in and he's gonna give me this dress and she discovers it's all part of a hustle Right. And and she's brilliant. Mm-hmm. She plays the the disappointment, the hardness all at the same time. You know, so we feel for her. But I don't see how her trajectory is going to be anything other than that. Like she and she recognizes, mm-hmm. I think, fairly early on that she's she's hitched her wagon to the wrong guy. Um, and and it's never going he's never going to meet her uh, all the way and creating this suburban dream that they want. But she's still trying to make it happen. And I yeah. felt like a lot of the jokes were, look how silly this is. Or a lot of the tension um, for some of the mm-hmm. more frightening scenes are, this is all going to blow up in her face. 
And so by the time we get to the end of the movie and, and, and Freddie's removed from the picture, I, she's just going to com- complete the same – go on the same cycle later on. That, that read as a joke to me, not as a tragedy or sympathy. It read as a joke. And that's – boy, that's too mean – that's too mean spirited for me. I don't know. That sounds weird for a <laughs> yeah. horror fan to be saying this, but that was that was harsh. Well, and 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 horror fans are are known like you and I are both horror fans, so yeah. we're we're known actually as super nice people. Like most <laughs> people true. who enter into the horror community are super nice people, and so like we we like our horror films mean spirited. That doesn't mean we like all of our films mean spirited. So yeah. <laughs> so so I can I can see your reading. Like I I think I think there is elements of the movie that are that she makes her the butt of the joke. Mm-hmm. Um I'm not going to deny that cuz that would be pointless. It's very clearly there. Um I I take the reading of the ending of the film differently okay, though. Okay. Go ahead. Um and 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 I think I think it all devolves around the the frisbee uh, mm-hmm. that she throws to to Fred Ward. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think like will she continue on in the same way she has been before? Yeah, I I think there will be elements of her personality that won't change through this whole event. Um, but I will say that because of that playfulness that she shows at the end, and yet the look on her face, which tells me that she's been through the ringer mm-hmm. uh through this whole story mm-hmm. there's there's a sharpening of of her perspective okay like it's she's gone through the ringer and so she's coming out on the other side choosing to be hopeful mm. um it's probably a better word mm-hmm. maybe um even though we probably think and she may in the back of her head say this is the way it's going to be the rest of my life mm-hmm. i think mo like within the scope of hope mm-hmm. like i think that's always what happens like we in the back of our heads we're saying it's always going to remain this way but we can hold that with this idea that that hope is future oriented like we hope that things change and yeah it's that exchange between her and, and fred ward that i think read differently than what you're saying to me okay um and, and and so that's just a interpretive difference that we're yeah. never going to be able to cross. So, <laughs> so but, you read that as yeah, sort of a, a, a heroic moment, like in the movie's opinion that I read it as pathetic. You read it as uh, heroic. Is that heroic is that or 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 at least um, some level of hope involved in it? Uh, sure. Maybe not heroic, because I, I don't think she's being played as heroic uh, otherwise yeah. there would be less butt of the jokes going on right there. um but i do think that there is a strength there that okay. um that the shows and and i think and i i want to say the film drives that point home it's not perfect by any stretch mm-hmm. so okay so so yeah so yeah we're, we're not going to come come uh, to an agreement uh, twice in a row now. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, I want to talk a little bit about um, the place where I did at least change my mind. Um, yeah. okay. And that's that's the way that the movie looks and mm-hmm. um, the way that the way that it presents coolness or or um, acceptability and so on. So the first yeah. time I watched this, in fact, I've got this written down in my notes is 
is Alec Baldwin cool? I can't tell if he's supposed to be cool. Um, and I, the first time I'm, well, the only time I've watched a movie, to be honest. But as I'm watching it that time, thinking about it, I, I'm annoyed because there's a distance between his mugging and how cool um, I felt like he was supposed to be. Uh, yeah. Paying a little bit more attention to things like all uh, Fred Ward's teeth and just yeah. how long they let him talk without the teeth and how gross yep. that is. Um, the, the tacky pastels that happen mm -hmm. uh, later on. Uh, I, I get it now. It's supposed to be ugly, <laughs> isn't yeah. it? Uh, well, the, the, the bleached out cinematography, yeah. like the, none of the colors come in like fullness of their bright like element. And so like, they're all just slightly white. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. There's a, there's a cheapness to the, everything that people are trying to perform. Well, there's a cheapness to what uh, Baldwin and Lee are trying to perform. There is a gleeful grossness into what Ward's doing. And yeah. I feel, I, I, I feel like I didn't give this enough credit the first time. Um, Armitage is I feel like that's intentional that he's mm -hmm. he's he's putting us off that there's something gross about the American dream to which they are they're going. Um, but there's mm -hmm. also something gross about the grittiness uh, from which uh, Mosley's from uh, yeah. that 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 he's owning it <laughs> and using it to his advantage <laughs> to be yeah. off putting. Um, but there is no there is no happy place in the movie. And yeah. I think that the movie reflects that fairly well what do you think about the the visuals oh yeah so i i definitely agree there um i think you know the the more i was i was pondering it especially in this last week i, I think part of part of the reason why maybe my reading differs from yours is that i i'm allowing the look of the film to play more of a element in my reading of the film sure. and so Whenever you have this kind of grimy, bleached out look mm. to the film and, and this constant like taking teeth out and, <laughs> and like just the griminess of yeah. it, um, it's hard not to see the one bright light in the middle is this one way optimistic person yeah. over and against the rest of the look of the film yeah. and, and over against these over the top characters. And so... I think I think maybe that stood out more than anything, and maybe my feelings were guiding my interpretation more than my mind was. Uh, but well, that's what we do with I, art, right? That makes yeah, sense. Exactly, that's right. And so, but I so the other thing I was I was thinking about, and it's a slight slight tangent, but uh -huh. but I think it'll it'll tie back in. Is is this kind? This film comes within the realm of classic neo noir like sure. kind of crime films, and so. In in the 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 mind of that style of film, the cool character is supposed to be the detective, and sure. the grimy, weird like characters are supposed to be the the, the hoodlums or the sure. the main boss or you know whoever the the antagonist is going to be. Sure. And this film intentionally switches those. Yeah, and and I think that's fascinating. Yeah. I, I think playing with the the archetype of the crime noir along with the bleached out elements of it is is basically saying like all of this that we've built up in our minds about the the american dream mm -hmm. the the justice system what whatever it may be it's not what it seems <laughs> like the the there there are 
there are cool people that are that are totally horrible people mm-hmm. and then there are grimy gross people that are on the right side of the law quote unquote mm-hmm. um and so i think where the film might fail is not giving any resolution to that yeah yeah um what like i think it i think it platforms people who are able to remain hopeful and and positive in the midst of it Mm -hmm. but it doesn't really show anything like it doesn't show how that ultimately wins out yeah um and it, it just leaves it with there are some people that are that are good and able to hold on to hope and and positivity and all this stuff but the world's gone to shit yeah so you know, and so like like what are we supposed to do with that like i think it makes for a good story yeah. but it's not a happy story right like it's not a story that has resolution right um and so i think that's where the film ultimately fails yeah um and matter of fact after our discussion of vigilante force i'm i'm tempted to switch the two because i had vigilante forces third okay and uh and because the discussion on vigilante force actually shifted how much i like that film yeah um, and so so it's very possible that miami blues gets knocked down because because i've come around to the idea that while i i appreciate it as a film and i enjoy it mm-hmm. as a film it doesn't actually say anything that i don't already know i like <laughs> yeah, i totally agree with that so, I, it's, yeah. in a lot of ways it's for me a a a dry run for gross point blank like I can see, yeah. I feel like I see the things he's trying to do with like the black comedy and the twisting mm-hmm. of the tropes and all of that sort of stuff and it it gets pulled off so much better. I mean we'll talk about th- this more with Cusack's performance, but I feel like Cusack yeah. pulls off the the self-aware guy within a trope much better than Baldwin does. There is yeah. a discomfort to uh, Martin that's not there with Freddie that as opposed to Freddie who's who's um and like like a like a confused dog into the role of yeah. <laughs> um of suburban dad um whereas martin blank is is sort of self-warily uncomfortable with the role of a hitman you know that i think yeah. mm-hmm. that i think really works in that movie but we'll, we'll talk about that another time <laughs> well so yeah i i think i think part of that could be attuned to the fact that armitage only had a kind of a final um run through the script on gross point blank whereas steve pink and yeah and D- dave Vicentis and and cusack himself were the main writers of the short sure. and so part of that i think could be shown that they understood comedy maybe better than armitage does uh, mm. like the the snappiness of the dialogue and and like Definitely. how how the interplay of the movie with the comedy works because uh, i would agree that that i don't go i don't watch miami blues laughing <laughs> Yeah, I find it. I find it. I find it a fascinating film, and I mm-hmm. enjoy it. Um, but I don't chuckle. Like, so am, it's am more I of wrong like, in saying, saying that it's a comedy? Because it felt like a comedy to me. Well, simply put, comedies. Not all comedies are funny. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's like, well. like simply put, like that. That could be a failure of the movie. Like, it could okay. just be the fact that Armitage doesn't get how the darkness of this grimy landscape and humor fit yeah um and i think i think maybe that's where it this miami blues like it's it's 
Gross Point Blank is easily the the closest kind of analogy to Miami Blues. And so to see the differences is to see that there's a there's a different screenwriter <laughs> yeah. for both. And yeah. so that's, that's um, a really good point. And so so I think I think it takes certain a certain um, mind sure. to to dive into the depths of of a grimy landscape like that and find the humor in it because guess what humor often precedes joy and and hope mm. and that that is not in this film no like that's no it is not joy and hope is not in this film mm. and so i don't think the comedy works because there is no there's no re- resolution okay. like there's no release of tension and so um yeah, I'm, I'm I'm starting to like the movie less. Yes, I consider this a victory. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, don't worry, it'll still be higher than higher than you'll have. Okay. But, <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I'm I'm starting to see like, especially when you compare it to Gross Point Blank, uh, yeah. I, I think it it pales pretty significantly uh, yeah. because I think Gross Point Blank is doing a lot of the same things. I um, agree, except it's actually funny. Yeah. And, and I mean, I would say that, that there are characters in Gross Point Blank, especially Dan Aykroyd, who are playing over-the-top mugging. Oh, like, totally. And so I think it's done well in the yeah. sense that, like, it fits within the scope of the film. Um, and while I, while I think that Alec Baldwin is doing a good job in this one as far as kind of the self-awareness playing into the film... Um, I can see a definite, like, just yeah. difference between the two, and so, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I think a lot of the, the the discussion around this film revolves around the failure to 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 tell something we don't know. Yeah, and yeah, and ultimately, like, is a is a film a failure if it doesn't do that, or is it just what what where, where do we place a film that ultimately tells us something we already know um whether we enjoyed it or not is is that is that a film or is that what <laughs> yeah that's a that's a good question um on the one hand i want to say no it doesn't need to tell me something that i didn't already know um mm-hmm. but it does need to It does need to reframe it to be interesting, right? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to – I won't puzzle that on Mike. And yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> think through that. That's a good question. This is this is what they pay for, Joe. Yeah. Because yes, we get yeah. paid for every episode we, we put together. We, we do? Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. We need to have another conversation off Mike. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No, yeah, no doubt. Uh, <laughs> All right. Yeah, well, so, let's – so, oh, go ahead. So I think that's, I think, yeah, that's a good point. Like, I, I, I just don't know, like, is this good film? Like, I enjoyed it. I still maintain that I would watch it again and, and get enjoyment out of it. But I'm not sure it's necessarily, quote unquote, good. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I'm going to take that as a victory um, in yeah. this conversation. Good. All right. That is it for this week's episode of So Gross, Such Point, Much Blank. Be sure to tune in next week when we look at Minute 6 of Gross Point Blank. And remember, this podcast is us breathing. 
Thank you for listening to So Gross, Such Point, Much Blank on the Film Inquiry Network. If you like what you've heard, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a positive review. Every bit of feedback helps us do more of what we do. If you don't like what you've heard, well, you're probably a Miami Blues fan and you just couldn't handle the truth that I was laying down for you, could you? Our podcast theme music comes from Jans. You can find more of Jans' work at jansofficial.com. Our podcast outro music comes from Jeff Hansen, and our podcast artwork comes from Jeff Wyrick. Our intro music this week is Racing Like the Wind from Kyla Caster. You can follow us on social media, such as Facebook and Twitter, at SoGrossPod, and that's gross with an E. You can follow Blake at Lost in Osmosis, and you can follow Joe at J-A-George-I-I. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to join us next week for more So Gross, Such Point, Much Blank. Hey, 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 bing, 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 bang, popcorn. Yeah, whatever. <laughs>